Hello, and welcome to The Corporate Casket, a semi-weekly series where bad businesses go to die. We will discuss any and everything from bad charities, terrible CEOs, and businesses that have a lot to hide. I'm the Illuminati, and today we're going to be talking about a long-awaited topic that I'm pretty sure even like as I'm telling it now, and it's a long one, is still not going to be conclusive. And that's about Elon Musk. Elon Musk has gone back and forth with Jeff Bezos for the title of the richest person in the world. His Twitter move shocks stock markets, and I'm sure most of you know him for co-founding and being the face of Tesla. And he's also dating Grimes, which I know her whole thing on TikTok being an absolute weirdo, my fellow communists and shit, shut, shut up Grimes. We're not dealing with you today, not much at least. Considering how influential Elon Musk is, and since I really doubt that this video could have any effect on him whatsoever, I wanted to discuss some of his shadier, more controversial actions because some people treat him like a God when he is just full of plot holes. So let's begin and let's start all the way at the very, very, very beginning. Who is Elon Musk and how did he get his start in business? Let's begin. Hi, Elon Musk speaking. Just three years ago, I was showering in the, at the Y and sleeping on the office floor. And now, obviously I've got a million dollar car and quite a few creature comforts. Now, this is going to be a pretty brief overview considering how lengthy Elon Musk's history is in starting businesses. Elon was born in 1971. He's a South African born American and he always dreamed about becoming an inventor. According to one source, at the time of his parents' divorce when he was 10, Musk developed an interest in computers. He taught himself how to program and when he was 12, he sold his first software, a game he created called Blastar. In grade school, Musk was short, introverted, and bookish. He was bullied until he was 15 and went through a growth spurt and learned how to defend himself with karate and wrestling. When he was 17, Musk moved to Canada to attend Queen's University, and it's hypothesized it was to avoid the mandatory service in the South African military. In 1992, three years later, he left Canada to study business and physics at the University of Pennsylvania. He graduated, headed to Stanford for California for his PhD and dropped out just two days after to take advantage of the internet boom. Musk launched his first company in the early 2000s called Zip2 Corporation. It was an online city guide. And in 1999, a division of Compaq Computer Corporation bought Zip2 for $307 million. Using the money from the sale, Elon founded a new company, X.com, which later became PayPal. By 2002, Musk earned his first billion when PayPal was acquired by eBay for 1.5 billion in stock. He also became a US citizen around this time. That year, instead of retiring as he very well could have, he co-founded his third company, SpaceX. SpaceX was founded with the intention of building spacecraft, as you can probably guess from the name. On May 22nd, 2012, Musk and SpaceX made history when the company launched its Falcon 9 rocket into space with an unmanned capsule. The vehicle was sent to the International Space Station with 1,000 pounds of supplies for the astronaut station there, marking the first time a private company had sent a spacecraft to the International Space Station. Of the launch, Musk was quoted as saying, I feel very lucky. For us, it's like winning the Super Bowl. 
There were setbacks, of course, but overall, SpaceX had been massively successful. They developed the Starlink constellation of low earth orbit satellites to provide internet service and the first batch released in May, 2019. Some astronomers have been worried this will increase the difficulty of studying distant objects in space. And of course, aside from all of this, around the time SpaceX was founded, Elon Musk also co-founded Tesla, a company dedicated to selling electric vehicles. Musk oversees product development and all engineering and design of the company's products. The company has had some production issues, but generally speaking, it's incredibly well-respected and it's become the world's most valuable car maker in market value. Elon Musk also started The Boring Company in 2017, which isn't as ridiculous as the name sounds. It's devoted to boring and building tunnels to reduce street traffic. So, you know, boring actually makes sense here. In May, 2019, the company now known as TBC landed a $48.7 million contract from the Las Vegas Convention and Visitors Authority to build an underground loop system. As for starting these businesses, some say that Musk got the money from his South African father and the money was apartheid money. His mother and father divorced in 1980 when he was about nine, but after leaving the divorce, Elon lived mostly with his father until leaving South Africa for Canada. In the mid 1980s, Elon's father, Errol, acquired a half share in the Zambian Emerald Mine, which would help fund his family's lavish lifestyle, according to Business Insider. Elon Musk has denied the Emerald Mine and lavish lifestyle story, but many still believe he grew up on apartheid money. Apartheid was a system of legislation that upheld segregationalist and discriminatory policies and practices against non-white citizens of South Africa. So if Elon's father did financially gain from apartheid, well, it's definitely not a good look. On the other hand, some news sources have quoted him as saying that his father owned shares in an emerald mine, but he, Elon, never profited from it. When he moved to Canada in 1989, he claimed to live on a dollar a day, eating hot dogs and oranges. Elon Musk's mother also defended him and confirmed his story. To add to the truth, we went to Boston Chicken in Philadelphia for Thanksgiving because we couldn't afford a turkey. And we spent three weeks making our rent-controlled apartment livable in Toronto, May tweeted. All of the Musk siblings did well, Forbes reported. Kimball is a millionaire who owns restaurant chains and spearheads a nonprofit education program, The Kitchen Community, which grows vegetables in the US. Tosca is a film producer and director. But the Emerald Mine story keeps coming back. At Kiwa tweeted on May 9th, 2020, remind Elon Musk inherited money from his father's apartheid Emerald Mine. That doesn't mean he's clever. Several respondents on social media disputed the Emerald Mine and privileged lifestyle story, defending Musk's intelligence and questioning the intelligence of the person who started the thread. Whether or not you think the apartheid mine story holds any water, ultimately, it's not even the biggest problem with Elon Musk. If he's benefited from apartheid again, it is absolutely awful, but it doesn't seem like Elon Musk was directly tied to it. It was more of his father's business, although I know indirectly it means he does profit, you know, like whose kid just gets to go to another country? Like my parents never made that kind of money where they could just send me to another country so I could just, you know, not be enlisted in a war. I'm just saying that's like a rich person flex right there alone. So if his dad had the shares in it, he absolutely did benefit from it with the ability for him to go to Canada, probably have his education taken care of there, and then obviously go to the US where college is not free by any means, and then pay for college there too, even after he drops out. My bigger problem with Elon is how he runs his businesses now and the discrimination he condones now, because believe me, we will get into that, uh, but I do wanna build on it too. So now that you have a very rough idea of Elon's upbringing, what he did, what kind of businesses he started, how he's got his money, let's start talking about some of his controversies and why his influence may be, well, a little more worrying than we think. 
we're going to start with Elon Musk battles with the SEC. Now, the thing is, I know some may argue cancel culture has gone too far, digging up old tweets and holding celebrities accountable for a bad joke they made 10 years ago. Others would argue that no, if they said something defamatory, they should be held to it, and it's a simple means of removing toxic people from the spotlight. I'm honestly not here to debate that. And when I talk about Elon Musk's Twitter, we're talking about things he was held accountable for in that moment, tweets that the SEC had to question because they're about Musk's company. The first incident happened in 2018. According to the SEC's complaint against him, Musk tweeted on August 7, 2018, that he would take Tesla private at $420 per share, a substantial premium to its trading price at that time. That funding for the transaction had been secured and that the only remaining uncertainty was a shareholder vote. The SEC's complaint alleged that in truth, Musk knew the potential transaction was uncertain and subject to numerous contingencies. Musk had not discussed specific deal terms, including price with any potential financing partners and his statements about the possible transaction lacked an adequate basis in fact. According to the SEC's complaint, Musk's misleading tweets caused Tesla stock to jump over 6% on August 7th and led to significant market disruption. According to the SEC's complaint against Tesla, despite notifying the market in 2013 that it intended to use Musk's Twitter account as a means of announcing material information about Tesla and encouraging investors to review Musk's tweets, Tesla had no disclosure controls or procedures in place to determine whether Musk's tweets contained information required to be disclosed in Tesla SEC filings. Nor did it have sufficient processes in place to that Musk's tweets were accurate or complete. This sentence is what stands out to me the most. Despite notifying the market in 2013 that Musk's Twitter was a means of announcing info about material, Tesla had no disclosure controls. And that's a bit messed up. And that's why Musk's Twitter was so powerful and powerful to make these stocks just jump right up. People reading it believed that there was no way Elon could come out and say that these things were essentially like, you know, it was company Twitter without proof and backup these statements because it was kind of private and kind of corporate at the same time. Elon Musk did face consequences for this, namely that he had to step down as chairman and would be ineligible to be reelected for three years. And if my math on that is correct, since the incident happened in 2018, he could potentially regain his chairman status later on this year. But hey, this was just one irresponsible action, right? Well, one source even suggested that this was all just a horrible weed joke gone wrong, hence the number 420. And if this was Musk's only negative experience with the Securities and Exchange Commission, then someone could argue, hey, it was a mistake and he's learned to watch his tweets from now on. But that's really not the case. In February of this year, an article from Cointelegraph read, legal advisors have warned that Tesla chief executive Elon Musk could come under scrutiny from the US Security and Exchange Commission over his social media activity and public statements around Bitcoin. On Monday, February 8th, Tesla announced in an SEC filing that it had purchased $1.5 billion worth of Bitcoin and will soon start accepting Bitcoin payments. Shortly afterwards, prices of the asset skyrocketed to a new all-time high of a little over 48,000. However, the problem here is that it wasn't disclosed when Tesla made this investment. Back in December, Musk said that Tesla could buy Bitcoin and this was followed by many statements supporting it. Bitcoin surged 20% in late January after Musk added hashtag Bitcoin to his Twitter bio and tweeted, in retrospect, it was inevitable. And in late December, he posted an explicit meme suggesting he strongly was tempted to buy Bitcoin. There is little doubt that Tesla's public foray into Bitcoin has contributed to its latest price spike with Musk's influential tweets about crypto to his 46.5 million followers also able to move markets. He is still currently shilling Dogecoin with his recent tweet late on February 10th, stating that he's buying the asset. Doge spiked 13% following that particular tweet a few hours ago. 
So I'm not saying that Elon Musk was lying when he tweeted about Tesla buying Bitcoin, but the SEC is suspicious that he's conveniently leaving out the whole when to make the stocks rise part. If this is true, when he's manipulating the stock market, then Musk would be in huge trouble. Plus it's just shady as hell to use your influence this way, where it directly benefits you and it's promoting something as volatile as Bitcoin in the first place. As of writing this, articles are cropping up everywhere, suggesting that Elon Musk is in fact manipulating the market and that the SEC should monitor him, not only because of his Bitcoin actions, but because of his Dogecoin actions too. Noriel Rubini, an economist known as Dr. Doom, which I mean, that's one hell of a supervillain name, He's even called this criminal behavior. If you've got someone literally nicknamed Dr. Doom calling you out, then it's a hilariously bad look, like seriously. The SEC called Elon Musk out for fraud in 2018, as we said, and they're no stranger to his behavior and his antics. I can only hope that they hold him accountable in the situation too, and it should be, because this is still a developing thing. As I'm writing this, let me just hack on the little note here that this is alleged. We can't say for sure that this is intentional market manipulation, but it sure as hell looks sus as fuck. Another event from 2018 was the whole Unsworth situation. And I'm sure a lot of you watching or listening have heard of this. And it stems from the Thailand cave rescue. On June 23rd, 12 boys that were all part of a football team, soccer for us here in the US, and their coach ended up trapped inside a cave beneath a mountain. When they were in the cave system, they'd been caught off guard by a flash flood, needed to get out, but had but no choice but to scramble deeper into the cave. They found themselves marooned on a rocky shelf, but nonetheless marooned, they weren't able to get out. Engineers tried to pump water out of the cave to save them. They even tried drilling into the mountainside and using drones to locate them, but nothing was working. One former Navy diver, Salmon Gunan, even died after delivering air tanks. Though the rescue mission was considered a success, all 13 made it out. I remember this making just international news. I felt like the whole world was watching with bated breath to see what would happen and could they save everybody? So how does Elon Musk play into this, you might ask? Well, Elon Musk involved himself in this rescue by offering help to build a mini submarine to rescue the boys. However, Unsworth, a caver from the UK and was part of the rescue team, said that the submarine wouldn't have worked. His words were exactly this. He can stick his submarine where it hurts, just had absolutely no chance of working. He had no conception of what the cave passage was like. The submarine was five, six feet long, rigid, so it wouldn't have gone around any corners or obstacles. He wouldn't have made it 50 meters into the cave from the dive start point. Elon Musk in return called Unsworth a pedo guy, which is just childish and it's just wrong. Like, don't get me wrong here. I'm sure Musk was annoyed that he was trying to help and got criticism for it. But at the same time, if I were stuck in a cave, I would rather have a professional caver come to my rescue than Elon Musk too. Elon Musk could have easily bowed out of any argument, simply that his intentions were good, but instead he escalated it by massively insulting Unsworth, calling someone a pedo, associating them with one of the most, if not the most despicable of crimes out there. It's just really not the way to behave. Unfortunately, even though Unsworth did sue Musk for defamation, Musk's lawyer successfully argued that pedo guy was just an offhand comment not meant to be taken seriously. Musk did apologize, blamed his long work hours for his outburst, but still just missed the comment as off the cuff with no malice. Unsworth lawyers said that Musk getting away with this was a miscarriage of justice. Personally, I can't know for sure, but it is simply up to the jury on this one and they sided with Musk. Regardless of if he should have won or lost this case, honestly, I think it speaks volumes about his character to say this to Unsworth, the man who actually helped save these children and their coach, simply because he was mad that his little submarine didn't work. 
But this isn't the only ridiculous Twitter feud Elon Musk has found himself in. David Atkin on Adalo writes about one of his arguments in his article, Elon Musk, the good, the bad, and the ugly. It reads, their Twitter feud began because of Elon's comments at an AI conference. Musk had called out public transportation for being a pain in the ass and that you could end up sharing a ride with someone who might be a serial killer. This led to a series of tweets by Walker aimed at Musk, saying that Musk wanted to create a public transportation system designed for the protection of the elite, to which Musk simply responded, you're an idiot. Up until this point, I had always thought of Elon Musk as a great leader and an innovation guru. I had nothing but respect for him, but these comments really shook me. After a quick Google search, I saw a couple of other articles that cast him in a negative light. This made me wonder if I was the idiot for thinking he was a great guy all along. It also made me realize I didn't really know much about him. This left me with one burning question. Is he a jerk or an innovative leader that we should aspire to be? I don't know if I agree with Walker's tweets or not, but I will say that it seems a bit out of touch to suggest that you can change the way public transportation works when the whole point of it was to be accessible for all, right? David Atkin did more digging though to answer this burning question of his. Now, as a disclaimer, I don't think Elon Musk is a jerk or that he should have a dick reputation for owning an expensive car, even if he's a reckless driver for destroying it, as David suggests. I think he's dangerous for driving recklessly for the record. But if I were also as rich as Elon Musk and he's very obviously a car guy, then you know I would probably buy like nice cars too like that, but like I wouldn't destroy them. Small differences. But I will comment on the other criticisms this article had, which seem to be more valid. For example, there's multiple different sides to show how Elon acted when SpaceX began. The article states that after a near-death experience, he wanted to revisit childhood dreams of going to Mars. He began studying how rockets were built and decided to do it himself. But while SpaceX was still in startup mode, his son died of sudden infant death syndrome. While some may see Elon as a fierce leader determined to continue onward despite these difficulties in his life, others say he gained a reputation as being uncaring. The article states, even one of SpaceX's greatest employees, Steve Davis, experienced Elon Musk's lack of caring. Davis was once assigned a task that seemed so impossible that another engineer said any other engineer at any other aerospace company would never have even attempted. The assignment was to take a part that was quoted for $120,000 and build it on Elon's proposed budget of $5,000. Davis spent nine months and poured his life into it. In the end, he was able to make it for only $3,900. Davis sent Elon an email detailing his greatest accomplishment to which Elon simply replied, okay. But this article isn't the only one that details Musk's questionable treatment of those around him either. In his biography, one story of how he treated his longtime executive assistant, Mary Beth Brown, is particularly noteworthy. Apparently, after working for him for 12 years, Mary asked for a significant raise. Musk told Mary to take two weeks off, during which he would assume her responsibilities to see if she was crucial to his success. When she returned after two weeks, he fired her. Musk claimed he offered her a different position at the company, but she didn't return. And I wouldn't either. That's insulting as hell. To make it clear, Elon has said that this story is total nonsense and he claims that Ashley Vance, the one who wrote his biography, never independently fact-checked a lot of what was written. He states that, Mary Beth was an amazing assistant for over 10 years, but as the company's complexity grew, the role required several specialists versus one generalist, Musk tweets. Mary Beth was given 52 weeks of salary and a stock in appreciation for her greatest contribution and left to join a small firm once again as a generalist. Even though there's quite a bit of evidence that points to Elon Musk being, well, 
a dick in this situation. I can't say for sure if this is one of them because I haven't found Mary Beth herself confirming this information, which is, you know, a huge gap. So take this one with a grain of salt. Justine Musk, Elon's former wife, has also spoken out against Elon, which, well, I would also say shouldn't be taken too, too strongly. There's two sides to every story. And even though she claims that he was very controlling and his judgment overruled hers, Justine definitely isn't an unbiased source here either. She claims that he often told her that if she was an employee, he would fire her. And she felt that she had just turned into a trophy wife and felt controlled as well. Again, I can't completely speak to Mary or Justine. Ex-spouses that speak out aren't necessarily going to paint a picture that makes them look bad or take responsibility for any actions they may have done in a divorce. So whether or not Justine is telling the whole story is up for debate and I'm not really gonna dwell on it. I wouldn't be surprised that it were true given Elon's attitude thus far, but it's the employees coming forward that have been giving more credibility when they speak out against Elon because it's multiple people coming forward with the same story. So now that we've gone over the gray area of his attitude, let's talk about the more definitive treatment he's dolled out on his employees and the downright lies he's told. And it's going to get a lot worse. On the surface, Musk seems questionable, a bit harsh, but those that work for him tell a far darker version of events. And before we get into those events, we're going to take a quick moment to thank today's sponsors. Winter is gone and so are my depression meals. I understand that it's very important to eat healthy and to have some variety in your food as well if you can. And I just haven't really been doing that. Thankfully, HelloFresh is here to help make home cooking fun, easy, and affordable. And that's why it's America's number one meal kit. HelloFresh is a meal delivery kit that offers over 27 recipes to choose from every single week, from vegetarian meals and calorie smart options to craft burgers and extra special gourmet options. There's a little something for everyone to enjoy with all recipes designed and tested by professional chefs. And get better value too. HelloFresh is 28% cheaper than shopping at your local grocery store and 72% cheaper than a restaurant meal without sacrificing any quality. HelloFresh offers the flexibility you need to customize your order on your app within minutes as well too. It's literally so easy. Like you just go through there and they have pictures and recipe like snapshots and everything included. It's, it, it's too easy. It's nearly foolproof. And whenever these little suckers pop up on the uh, menu thing, I am sure to order a box that week. It's called the firecracker meatballs. I don't care what vegetable side they put it with. Give me the carrots, the Brussels sprouts, asparagus. I don't care, I'll eat it all. Those are one of the best recipes. I crave that recipe. So if you wanna get started with HelloFresh today and get your opportunity to also try these amazing firecracker meatballs, make sure to go to hellofresh.com casket12 and use code casket12 for 12 free meals, including free shipping. Again, that's hellofresh.com slash casket12 and use code casket12 for 12 free meals, including free shipping. This episode is also sponsored by Stitch Fix, the sole company that is responsible for helping me get out of my 2020 coronavirus sad clothing sweatpants rut. And let's be real, shopping for clothing can be a daunting challenge. You just never know if things will fit, what's gonna be in stock that day, returns are difficult, and you don't even really know what store to start with sometimes. So this season, let Stitch Fix do all the hard work for you because Stitch Fix offers clothing hand-selected by expert stylists for your unique size, style, and budget. And I don't think Stitch Fix is really gonna get mad at me for this one, but I ended up ordering two boxes, like two starter boxes. And I wanted to see if they were gonna just give me like the same thing, no matter what I chose. So I chose two different styles, but like the same size and everything. And I got two completely different boxes. It was actually really cool. 
So that just gave me like the extra like boost of confidence to know that they are actually listening to me when I'm saying what I want in like the quiz, which was just fantastic. So how Stitch Fix works, real simple. You do this little quiz, they hand select some clothing for you and they ship it to your house. You try on the pieces at home and you keep the ones you like and then you put the rest back in a prepaid return envelope and then that's it. They don't charge you for those that you return. There's no subscription required if you don't wanna do it. You can just set it up once or it can be an automatic thing and you just pay $20 for a styling fee for each box and then it gets credited towards the pieces you keep. And Stitch Fix has styles and clothing to fit any occasion for women, men, and kids. And they ship all over the US and they're available in the UK as well. So if you wanna get started today, make sure to go to stitchfix.com casket and you'll get 25% off when you keep everything in your fix. Again, that's stitchfix.com casket for 25% off when you keep everything in your fix. stitchfix.com casket. Have you had any of your tweets censored since the settlement? No. None. Does someone have to read them before they go out? No. Well, I guess uh, we might make some mistakes. Who knows? <laughs> Are you serious? No, he's perfect. <laughs> Look at you. No, I, 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 I want to I be clear. I do not respect the SEC. I do not respect them. One 2018 article from The Guardian states, Elon Musk, the chief executive of Tesla, had emailed his entire staff following the May 2017 publications of separate investigations by The Guardian and a workplace safety organization showing high injury rates at the company's Northern California electric car factory. No words can express how much I care about your safety and well-being, Musk wrote. Going forward, I've asked that every injury be reported directly to me without exception. I'm meeting with the safety team every week and would like to meet every injured person as soon as they are well, so I can understand from them exactly what we need to do to make it better. I will then go down to the production line and perform the same task that they perform. Musk and accountability Houdini had turned that fact that some of his employees were dealing with life-changing injuries into glowing press about his leadership. If only his promises were true. He didn't meet me, said Richard Ortiz, a former Tesla factory worker who was injured at work in July, 2017. That's PR, that's baloney, said another current Tesla employee who said Musk never met with him about the three pinched nerves in his arm. He didn't meet with me and my incident was filed, said a third Tesla employee who was injured in October. If he was truly going to meet with all the employees who got injured, he would be there for half the year. Of the workers who spoke to the Guardian for this article, six had been injured at work. None of them ever heard directly from Musk or had him perform their task on the assembly line. One Tesla spokesperson said Musk was on the assembly line many times and provided 10 workers' names to attest to this. The Guardian was able to reach out to four of them, though none of the four have been injured and they all praised Elon, saying they saw him in the factory. At the same time, Ortiz, an outspoken supporter of unionization drive at the factory, said anyone can do anything for an hour and the wear and tear comes from doing their job 12 hours a day, six days a week. Musk's pledge to meet with every injured worker is by no means the only example of his overpromising. The CEO is notorious for making exaggerated claims about his businesses, whether he was announcing that he had received government approval for a New York to Washington DC hyperloop, he hadn't, promising to test drive a fully autonomous Tesla coast to coast by the end of 2017, he didn't, or claiming that the Model 3 production would reach 5,000 cars per week by the end of 2017, it still hasn't. To one worker, an immigrant who started at Tesla in 2017, the contrast between what Musk promises and what he does is indicative of a lack of principles. In my country, we have a saying, even if your enemy is a rabbit, you should at least recognize that he has big ears, he said. I like Elon Musk. I like people who dream big. But he added, 
I'm always really surprised how he keeps giving numbers that we have never been able to respect. He would say we would produce such and such cars by such date and we are never able to hit it. For me, a responsible person should stick to his word. As a Tesla employee, I am really ashamed when my CEO is lying to the public. Elon Musk has become notorious for making these big promises. When he sets these massive goals for the company, what Elon either doesn't seem to realize or doesn't care about is it's the workers who suffer trying to reach them. It's not as if Elon is building these cars himself. One subcontractor who works on the Model 3 says Elon shows up to the assembly line an average of once a month, four or five times since he started working there five months ago. The subcontractor, Jimmy, said it felt good seeing him on the line. And yet the fact that Elon can seemingly come and go as he pleases is worth remembering. He's a CEO, he oversees the design, but Elon's production promises are putting the burden on his workers. He comes across as really out of touch to me personally. Unfortunately, things only get worse from here. The Guardian continues and reads, though Tesla factory employees may have learned to take Musk words with a grain of salt, the billionaire's pronouncements, whether issued by company email, investor earnings call, the press, or Twitter, still loom large over the workplace. In May, 2017, Musk emailed the entire company a message about doing the right thing, i.e. being considerate of minorities and not being a huge jerk. The email resurfaced later that year as Tesla was hit with a number of lawsuits from employees alleging sexual harassment, gender discrimination, racism, and homophobia in the workplace. Tesla has denied wrongdoing. One of the lawsuits took particular issue with one line in the Musk email that read, in fairness, if someone is a jerk to you, but sincerely apologizes, it is important to be thick skinned and accept that apology. Tesla defended the email in a blog post, arguing that the counterpoint to not having thick skin and accepting an apology would be a cold world with no forgiveness and no heart. No one has to accept an apology they don't feel is genuine. Musk's workers aren't obligated to forgive him, especially after what they've been through. The article states that one black worker felt like he was treated like a dummy and he states, quote, I don't think people of color should have thick skin when it comes to racial issues in the workplace, end quote. I absolutely agree, especially when multiple workers state that it's his thick skin line that has adopted the excuse for bad behavior. One material handler says he would never want his daughter to work there because it's a nightclub attitude and he's heard workers outright call people the N-word with little to no repercussions. No one should be uncomfortable at work. Having thick skin might mean getting through a difficult workday, taking criticism well, whatever you wanna call it. But having thick skin doesn't mean accepting racial slurs. An army veteran objected to these words being used, but said that wasn't all. This spring in two emails to company staff and on earnings call with investors, Musk debuted new language to describe a problem weighing down the good ship Tesla, barnacles. The number of third-party contracting companies that we're using has really gotten out of control. So we're going to scrub the barnacles on that front, he said on an investor call. We've got barnacles on barnacles. So there's going to be a lot of barnacle removal. A Tesla spokesperson said that Musk was referring to contractor companies, not subcontracted employees. But whatever Musk's intent, the words were interpreted as an insult by some of the hundreds of factory workers Tesla hires through subcontracted staffing agencies. When the big alpha dog of the factory uses that word to describe people, it allows other people in the factory to start thinking about people like that and acting that way, said the veteran who worked for Tesla through a contracted staffing agency for eight months before being hired directly. He compared the rhetorical tactic to Donald Trump calling certain countries shitholes or the US military dehumanizing enemy soldiers with slurs. You don't refer to people this way, you just don't. The veteran states that he, quote, heard that word more in the last week than the rest of my life, end quote. 
And this is extremely disheartening. Musk has not only lied about the injury rate, told his workers to get over racial slurs being used in the workplace, but now he's coming up with new ways to insult them. So yeah, he's innovative, all right. He's found a new way to keep insulting people. I've never thought of calling someone a barnacle, but here we are. And these aren't just rumors either. There's been a lot of lawsuits that have come out of the Tesla workplace. But before we get into those though, I wanted to briefly touch on the lies that Elon Musk has actively promoted. He stated at a 2017 shareholder meeting that the company was well on their way to an injury rate that's less than half of the auto industry. That would be fantastic if it were true. In actuality, the company's injury rate ended up being slightly above the industry average. Elon Musk owns this company. He's the face of Tesla. So he should know what the actual numbers are. I wanted to look into these actual numbers for this. And by numbers, I mean every single person that Elon Musk pretended didn't exist for the sake of his company's reputation. One source says that the auto industry averages 6.2 injuries per 100 workers. However, in 2016, when the auto industry was 6.2, Tesla's total was 8.1. The serious injuries in the auto industry are four, whereas Tesla's was 7.3. By 2017, I will say that Tesla's numbers went down significantly to 6.2 instead of 8.1, but they're still at this point only matching industry standard, not well on their way to having it as Musk suggested. This source also states that Justine White, the safety lead, believed that the factory floor prioritized style and speed over safety. Musk's name was invoked to justify shortcuts and shoot down concerns. At one point, White said she warned supervisors about a potential explosion hazard, but was told that they would defer to production managers because fixing the problem would require stopping the production line. From September, 2016 to January, 2017, White oversaw safety for thousands of workers on Tesla's general assembly line, in charge of responding to inquiries, reviewing injury records, teaching safety classes, and assembling the factory for hazards. Everything took a backseat to production, White said. It's just a matter of time before somebody gets killed. A few months into her job, White became so alarmed that she wrote to a human resources manager that the risk of injury is too high. People are getting hurt every day and near hit incidents where people are getting almost crushed or hit by cars is unacceptable. The next day, she emailed Sam Teller, Musk's chief of staff, that safety team leaders were failing to address the hazards. I know what can keep a person up at night regarding safety, she wrote. I must tell you that I can't sleep here at Tesla. She said she never heard back from Musk's office. She transferred departments and quit a couple months later, disillusioned. In her March, 2017 resignation letter, White recounted the time she told her boss, Seth Woody, that the plant layout was extremely dangerous to pedestrians. Woody, head of the safety team, told her that Elon didn't want signs, anything yellow like caution tape or to wear safety shoes in the plant and acknowledged it was a mess, she wrote. Musk claims to care about workers' injuries, and yet here White is telling her office that his factory is dangerous, and he just never cared to respond. They dismissed her concerns as unsubstantiated and insisted that an anonymous internal survey found 82% of employees agreed Tesla was committed to their health and safety. And first of all, those numbers aren't exactly worth bragging about. Sure, surface level, you go 82%, that's like a B in American grades, right? But if almost 20% of your workforce, one in five, does not feel that you're committed to safety, then you might be doing safety wrong. Secondly, some workers stated that if they spoke out against Tesla, they feared being fired. So that may have influenced those numbers too, and they might be very inflated. Even if Tesla has state-of-the-art machinery, the hoists that they use are not engineered or inspected, then it's no wonder that the result would just be repeated accidents. Sadly, even the injured workers can't simply leave Tesla as easily as you may think. As Reveal News writes, not all injured workers have given up on Tesla either. Dennis Cruz has had his share of injuries, yet he still wants to go back to the production line. 
At one point, out on workers' compensation because of work-induced tendonitis, Cruz ended up living in his car, unable to afford rent. Then in late 2016, a toxic adhesive many workers complain about got in his eye, damaging his cornea. And in September, as a quality inspector, Cruz said he put out a fire that broke out on a car body, inhaling fumes from burning chemicals. Cruz 42 is on light duty as he struggles with shortness of breath, coughing spells, and headaches. But he wants to provide for his family, apply his skills, and get promoted. I can't do that on workers' comp. I can't do that away from the factory, he said. That's why I push to go back. I push to go back into the fire. Workers' comp simply isn't enough to provide for a family. And so Cruz, as he puts it, goes back into the fire, hoping he can get promoted. It wasn't until workers requested the company's injury logs that Tesla had to amend its 2016 report to add 135 additional injuries that weren't previously counted. I can understand one or two slipping through the cracks, maybe, but 135, 135 people missed and ignored for the sake of looking better to shareholders, that's fucked up and that's not excusable. Tesla has dismissed injuries from their workers, headaches from those handling chemicals backed up and stated that their numbers were industry average in 2017 instead of the well on the way to half the industry average that Elon Musk stated and more. One worker, Mark Eberly, needed surgery for his carpal tunnel that was induced after welding thousands of studs to car wheelhouses during 12 hour days. Other workers in similar situations said that if they took time off, it would slow the company down and affect his reviews. Again, when Elon Musk puts out these massive promises, it's the workers who suffer. There's no way around that. After this news broke, it was bad enough that Cal OSHA, the Division of Occupational Safety and Health, opened an investigation. Even though Elon Musk says California OSHA is the most stringent safety organization in the US, he apparently wants to ignore them if they're not singing his praises. In 2019, OSHA found that Tesla had three times as many violations as the 10 largest US plants combined. Let me repeat that. Tesla had three times as many violations as the 10 largest plants combined. That is impressively horrible. It's 54 OSHA violations as reported by Forbes have amassed a total of $236,730 in fines, many of which presently in the OSHA database are showing as contested or pending education, meaning that the paid fines, pending fines, and current fines may all be different depending on the outcome of the OSHA settlement post contest. From the period of August 22nd, 2014 to June 21st, 2018, the following OSHA violations were found in the national database for Tesla's assembly plant. Nine accidents, which resulted in 22 OSHA violations. Seven complaints, which resulted in 18 OSHA violations. Four incidents in which eight OSHA violations were also found unrelated to a specific complaint. The above 48 violations do not include an additional 27 violations, which occurred at another Tesla and Tesla Energy owned locations around the United States during the same time period. One third of all violations across Tesla ventures, which include warehouses, retail showrooms, and Tesla Energy were entered into the OSHA database for incidents in 2018 alone. And the numbers don't lie, that's a thing. Whether or not you think Elon Musk is a jerk, whether or not his pedo comment really bothered you, whether or not you believe his side of the Mary story, and whether or not you think he should have gotten in more or less trouble with the SEC, these numbers are not deniable. Tesla is not nearly as safe as Elon Musk makes it out to be, and I've got no respect for someone that ignores the serious injuries that Musk and Tesla have. According to The Guardian in 2017, Ambulances have been called more than 100 times since 2014 for workers experiencing fainting spells, dizziness, seizures, abnormal breathing, and chest pains, according to incident reports obtained by The Guardian. Hundreds more were called for injuries and other medical issues. 
I've seen people pass out, hit the floor like a pancake and smash their face open, said Jonathan Glasseau, a production technician at Tesla. They just send us to work around him while he's still lying on the floor. One of his several workers who said they have seen coworkers collapse or be taken away in ambulances. We had an associate on my line. He just kept working, kept working, kept working. Next thing you know, he just fell on the ground, said Mikey Katura, a worker on the battery pack line. Richard Ortiz, another production worker, spoke admiringly of the high-tech shop floor. It's like you died and went to auto worker heaven. But he added, everything feels like the future, but us. Everything feels like the future, but us, fuck. If that line just doesn't hit home, I don't know what will. I think I can safely say we've proven that Tesla doesn't really give a shit about the safety of their workers and the numbers absolutely show that. But what about their well-being? What about the discriminatory workplace we mentioned earlier? Well, I wanted to get just a bit more into that. So I took a look at the lawsuits that have been filed to see exactly what happened here and if Tesla took any accountability. NPR reported in early 2018 that the Tesla factory has even gained an infamous nickname among other women, the Predator Zone. Women say they're often catcalled and whistled at when they walk in parts of the plant. And one factory worker, Marcus Vaughn, that complained was fired for not having a positive attitude. Tesla has claimed the lawsuits don't reflect how seriously the company takes discrimination, but just because you require anti-discrimination and anti-harassment training doesn't mean shit if you aren't gonna actually uphold those workers to those standards. Elon Musk, don't be jerks and have thicker skin emailed, followed this, to which some argue feels like a veiled warning to not sue the company. Vandermeyen, who's been particularly outspoken about the gender discrimination at Tesla, has said that for the first year at Tesla, things were great. She was promoted to be an engineering project coordinator, all seemed well. She learned that her salary was lower than everyone else in the group that she worked with, even several new hires who came to Tesla straight out of college. Vandermeyen had experience, so this didn't make sense. She was the only woman in the group though. In fact, there were very few women working at the company, which became a source of rueful comedy, as the New Yorker puts it. In July, 2015, about three months after Vandermeyen joined the team, several of her male colleagues were promoted. Although she was under the impression that she would shortly receive a promotion and raise, she did not get either, according to court documents. She emailed her boss, listing her accomplishments and reminding her of her performance reviews had all been positive. He didn't seem to be taking her concerns seriously, so she started copying the emails to human resources departments on her emails. She scheduled a meeting with her boss's boss who canceled at the last minute just before he left town for two weeks of vacation. Finally, two months later, Vandermeyen's managers told her that in order to be given a raise, she would have to increase the rate of production line by 100% within a year. This was an aggressive, probably unrealistic goal. So she decided to consult a lawyer. On September 20th, 2016, Vandermeyen filed a lawsuit charging Tesla with sex discrimination, retaliation, and other workplace violations. As far as I can tell, these lawsuits are actually still pending. And this isn't the only one centered around discrimination. There's also been discrimination due to sexual orientation as well as racial discrimination. Before I continue on with those, however, I wanna say one thing. I know there may be a few people thinking, well, just because Tesla is discriminatory doesn't mean Elon Musk is. Maybe so. I can't know for sure how aware Elon was of the situation. However, when he was made aware, even to a small extent that, hey, you know, some people have issues with the work environment, his reaction was just, don't be jerks. That's what the email said. Even though many genuine concerns have come forward, the face of the company has dismissed these people as just jerks. So whether or not you think Elon Musk is discriminatory, he sure as hell excuses the discriminatory behavior. Anyway, I just wanted to clarify that before we jump back into this mess. 
One article states, soon after he started working on the assembly line at Tesla, Jorge Fierro was taunted for being gay and threatened with violence. Watch your back, a supervisor warned after mocking his clothes for being gay tight, Fierro said. The harassment didn't stop after he reported it to a manager and days after he made a second complaint, Farrow was punished according to his account. An HR representative took away Farrow's badge, claiming that he had an injury that prevented him from working and saying there's no place for handicapped people at Tesla, he alleged. Tesla failed to stop anti-gay harassment against Farrow and fired him for seeking protection. That much is obvious. It would be one thing if this was one supervisor making a disgusting comment and that was shut down quickly or how they ignore a hostile work environment is inexcusable. Hell, this isn't even just a nasty comment. Farrell was threatened with violence. If HR won't help him there, then what's the point of even having HR in the first place? Even though Farrow is the only lawsuit I found around anti-gay harassment, there's still more lawsuits around Tesla's essentially useless HR department. Owen Diaz, 49, told The Guardian that he also brought a lawsuit in hopes of protecting other black employees at Tesla from abuse. He and his son, Dimitri, 22, both faced racial harassment and violent threats while working in the Tesla factory, according to a discrimination complaint they filed with a third former employee on Monday. Owen was subject to daily racial epithets. He was called boy. He heard statements such as all you fucking N-words, I can't stand you motherfuckers, and N-word, hurry up. Seriously, some of this is just, well, obviously I don't feel comfortable like repeating the full quote, but I think you guys understand this is insanity. Seriously, some of these is just, what? But according to the lawsuit, supervisors brushed aside those complaints with one telling Dimitrik, if you don't like how you're treated, your time here is going to end. And another telling Owen, why do you people take things so hard? The dismissals were hurtful, said Owen. You might as well just slap me and spit in my face. You'd think that if this was repeatedly brought to HR's attention, they would have realized, gee, maybe something, something's going on here. These racial slurs are hurting people, but that wasn't the case with Tesla. Instead, they insisted this lawsuit was just some carefully timed media blitz. Reuters said the trial is scheduled for May 20th, 2020, but as far as I can see, it was pushed back because of COVID since the latest news doesn't say that anything's been decided yet, at least as of writing this anyway. Again, I can't definitively say that Elon Musk is a racist, sexist, or homophobic person because of what happened at his factory, but enough complaints have come in to say, you know, it's pretty disgusting that he hasn't addressed this either. That's just my opinion though. Maybe, you know, I'm a jerk for having it, as Musk would say. And yet, somehow we're still not done with the lawsuits. You remember how I said Elon Musk co-founded Tesla? Well, the other co-founder doesn't exactly like Elon much. In fact, he sued him for trying to rewrite history and take credit for developing the car they both worked on together to create. One source states, Tesla Motors founder Martin Eberhard is suing current CEO Elon Musk, accusing Musk of taking control of the company, orchestrating his ouster in 2007. The suit accusing Musk of litany of complaints, including libel, slander, and breach of contract in alleging that Eberhard was pushed out of the company wrongfully denied his severance and forced to watch as Musk publicly disparaged him and compromised Tesla's motor financial health. In his zeal to appropriate Eberhard's legacy, Musk has instead sullied Tesla Motors' integrity and blemished Tesla Motors' reputation and prosperity, the suit states. What's more, after pushing Eberhard out of the company he founded in 2002 and withholding his severance because of a blog post, Tesla wrecked his car. Tesla Motors called the suit a work of fiction and says it will not only vigorously defend itself, but file a countersuit. And it's funny to me how Tesla is just never responsible for any of these lawsuits, right? Like, look, I get it, phony lawsuits happen, but this often, 
this often, like they say that everything is fictitious and they deny it completely. Tesla never even implies that there could be some sort of middle ground or that something was misinterpreted. It's just blatant denial. Honestly, I'm more inclined to believe someone that says, hey, there was a misunderstanding, let's correct it, as opposed to just denying everything outright. Now, Martin did drop the suit in August, 2009, and the issue between them was resolved, so I don't wanna dwell on it for too long, but as Fast Company says, it was an oddly quiet end to the saga. I can't know for sure what happened here, and it would be dangerous for me to speculate, but all I can say is this is just yet another situation where Elon Musk was accused of having some poor professional and personal behavior. Maybe it is just unjustified accusations since the case has been dropped, but I'm not sure. But the pile of accusations is getting pretty thick. Now, because I know many people are going to want me to address it and I can't not bring it up, Elon Musk has also been able to add advising Trump to his resume. In the early years of the Trump presidency, Elon Musk actually endorsed Trump and Trump insisted he was an environmentalist, even stating that he was too much of an environmentalist. However, he proved otherwise when he pulled out of the Paris deal. This was too much for Elon, who cares about the environment more than his own workers, and is said he would no longer be advising Trump. At least Elon has some value in ethic when it comes to that. I can't really say values and ethics, plural, because you know, as of right now, he's only proven to have one, but you know, there it is. Despite this, a 2020 political article said that Trump and Elon Musk still had plenty in common as of mid last year, and it read, He's questioned mainstream scientific research and reporting on COVID-19. He promoted the drug hydroxychloroquine to fight it. He's attacked state and local virus lockdowns, asserting they violate Americans' constitutional rights. But the tech billionaire has gained new admirers, thanks to his public spats with California lawmakers over his desire to reopen his factories in spite of government orders, his desire to keep the lights on, and crucially, his growing disdain for media outlets such as CNN. His cryptic tweet about taking the red pill, a reference to the matrix and an internet term that broadly speaking these days means that one is questioning the nature of political reality was seconded by none other than Ivanka Trump who tweeted in response, taken. Elon has a lot in common with Trump in that they are both people that shake the box said Logan Cook, a prominent meme creator in Trump's online base whose images under his political identity carpe donctum frequently make their way into the president's retweet pipeline. And those internet obsessed fan base often overlaps with Musk's iconoclastic libertarian internet cult. Meaning that when they don't like the way things are turning out, they aren't afraid to pick up the box and shake it, creating new combinations of things that everyone before them had neatly packed in there. Observers were quick to point out that he'd added a red rose emoji, a symbol of the democratic socialists of America at the end of his red pill tweet, throwing his vague endorsement of Trumpist ideals into doubt but Trump-friendly conservatives eagerly welcomed a fellow COVID-19 skeptic into the fold. I'm not even gonna, I don't think I really need to source this one that COVID's real. For the few deniers that we're gonna have, they're gonna make a stink out of it. Like just change your diapy, please. Like we're not in the mood for it today. The real reason why I find this so worrying is because as we saw earlier with the stock market, Musk has an incredible influence on people. If someone like him is denying COVID, then that means others will see that denial as validated. And remember, we've seen him be called things such as a genius and an innovator. And I don't think it's a stretch to assume that a COVID denier would say Elon Musk denying COVID is proof it's not real, especially when many have believed in less. As for Tesla itself, the company does have its fair share of problems. In 2018, The Guardian reported, in the three weeks since the death of Walter Huang, 38, whose Tesla Model X crashed while in autopilot mode in California, the company has repeatedly argued that the victim was at fault, not its nascent technology. 
and it has openly feuded with the US investigators about the release of information. The defensive statements amid the current tragedy and the settlement offer in Lambert's labor dispute provide a window into the way Musk's firm has tried to silence critics or publicly attack them. It's the familiar approach in Silicon Valley where companies work to block bad publicity by keeping complaints out of court and resolving high profile disputes behind closed doors. Tesla's gained a reputation of bribing people to stay silent and avoid criticism. They've had scores of defective product lawsuits and cases where Tesla's autopilot has malfunctioned where it can't reliably detect stationary objects. Tesla says its autopilot isn't meant to be set and forget it system, which I understand, but at the same time, that's not really what their advertising says either. Even if it's just a very small number of cases that may be impacted, these are lives that are still at risk. You'd think that Tesla may be a bit more concerned and obligated to put some kind of disclaimer here. And I'm not saying these cars aren't innovative, but I absolutely think there's a way to cut down on, you know, people fucking dying. I, I don't know why this is like revolutionary thought processes here. Not to mention some of the other issues Tesla also has, like earning almost $300 million in zero emission vehicle credits for a battery swapping technology that was never actually made available to customers in the first place. And for all Musk says about how much he cares about the environment, Tesla has been penalized for violating hazardous waste laws on numerous occasions. One source states, Tesla has reached a settlement with the Environmental Protection Agency over hazardous waste violations that were discovered at the company's factory in Fremont, California. Tesla has agreed to pay a $31,000 penalty and as part of the settlement, it will also buy $55,000 worth of emergency response equipment for the Fremont Fire Department. In 2017, Tesla allowed hazardous waste to accumulate on site without a permit beyond the allowed 90 days, according to the settlement and a copy of which was provided to The Verge by the EPA. The EPA found Tesla failed to promptly clean up flammable paint or solvent mixtures, left two 55 gallon containers of hazardous waste open with no gasket or locking mechanism and violated air emission standards for three leaky transmission lines that the waste moved through. These aren't the first times Tesla has had environmental issues, just the most recent. Tesla had recalls, Tencent, another company we've covered before has proven that their cars can be hacked into and audits of the company show that the company doesn't even do their own due diligence and the factory only produces about half the economic benefits for every dollar spent by the state. And look, every car company is gonna have their issues, I'm sure. They're not considered the least reliable car out there and they're not the worst company I've ever covered here. But at the end of the day, so many people hold Elon Musk in such high regard with such admiration as such a great innovator. It just all feels hollow in the wake of this. The thing is, I don't care too much if Elon thinks AI or artificial intelligence is a massive threat to humanity. I don't care if he comes across as an ass on Twitter or if people call him an elitist. Unfortunate as it is, that's not uncommon. And if we all want to think that, you know, we live in a computer simulation, that's fine. That's that's his belief and I, That one's not hurting anyone yet, so I think it's okay for now. I don't know for certain if he got money from apartheid emerald mines either, given his relationship with his father, whether or not some are convinced of it. However, his horrific work environment is hurting people. His misleading statements about the injuries of his employees, calling those that step forward jerks, and the misinformation he spread during a global pandemic are real issues that I have with Elon Musk. Maybe somewhere down the line in the future, I'll take a more personal approach at Elon Musk. I'm pretty sure there's gonna be some people that are upset that I'm not going to talk about the supposed correlation on how he treats and controls his exes and how they all suddenly have platinum blonde hair and they become silent and all this kind of stuff. I feel that that would be more appropriately fitted into a different, more personal look at Elon Musk, but I wanted to look at what Elon and by proxy mostly Tesla does and how it's kind of just 
not very good. So that's why those specific pieces of information were not included in today's episode. But with all of that being said, that's where I'm going to end today's episode of The Corporate Casket. Thank you so much for joining me today. And if you did enjoy this episode, make sure you're liking, following, and subscribing so that you can stay up to date on all the latest episodes. Thank you all again, and I'll see you in the next one. Bye.